Our scripture lesson for today, I'll be reading from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. I know many of you are following along in other translations, and it may sound very different, but hopefully it will we'll all end up in the same place. 2 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 1. Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen, the day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated, or not, in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hands, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth, and when God's showing his power. When we're doing our best setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word though distrusted, ignored by the world but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives but refusing to die, immersed in tears yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts yet enriching many, having nothing having it all. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fit you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Continuing in our on again, off again, summertime series, Take a Letter, I want to think about opening a letter. And I know that opening a letter can sometimes be as dangerous as turning a page in a book. What if we have a face-to-face encounter with a thought or an idea, or a view of life that runs contrary to everything that we've always been taught? What if the dome that surrounds our comfort zone is shattered by a meteoric philosophy or a theology that impacts everything we've believed since childhood? If we are among those who open the mail on our way back to the house, we better watch our step. What if the letter contains news or information that disrupts our routines, radically altering the course of our future for good or for ill? What if we find ourselves wishing we had never opened the letter, never turned the page in the book? I wonder what First Church Corinth was thinking when they heard that portion of Paul's letter that is our passage for today, when they heard it read for the first time. Companions as we are, it said, in this work of Jesus with you. They knew Paul. 
Some of them are saying, we're not his companion. And with that authoritative attitude of his, thinks he knows it all, he's just not a good fit here. Who does he think he is? And he's not very easy to look at either. (laughs) We beg you, the letter continues, don't squander this marvelous life that God has given us. Wasting our lives? I can just hear the Corinthians saying, who does he think he is? Where did he get a crazy notion like that? What is it to him if we want to sit around the Waffle House all morning drinking coffee and gossiping and whining and complaining? Does he have a better idea? Actually, Paul did have a better idea. And that segment of the letter serves as our scripture lesson for today. It concludes our lesson with that better idea. Open up your lives, Paul said. Live openly and expansively. A squandered, wasted life on one hand. An open and expansive life on the other. That's what our... Our lesson for today is all about. So what I want us to do for just a short time now is to think about some ways that we squander our lives, that we waste our lives away, and then give a literary example of a squandered life. And after that, I want to think about some ways that we can live openly and expansively and give a real life example of someone who lived just that way. So what are some ways we squander our lives I've got just a few here. You'll think of others by whining and complaining. And I don't mean every now and then. We're all entitled to, to have our moments, I suppose. What I do have in mind are those folks for whom whining and complaining has become a lifestyle. And some of them have raised it to an art form. <laughs> Nothing is ever quite right. If you are easily embarrassed, you don't ever want to go to a restaurant with one of these folks. Everything is always too hot or too cold, or they brought it too soon, or they brought it too late, or it's too salty, or it's too sweet. Heard about a middle-aged grouch who was at IHOP one day, and he ordered two eggs. He wanted one scrambled and one over easy. And when the server placed the eggs before him on a plate on his table, he grimaced and he sighed, and she said, Sir, is there a problem? He said, Yeah, you scrambled the wrong egg. Some of you may know that guy. I don't know. (laughs) By the way, this bundle of joy that we were describing made his living as a poster child for first world problems. Complainers. We all know a few of them. We need to be careful lest they start showing up in the mirrors at our houses. And another way we squander our lives is by constantly worrying if it can possibly go wrong, it will go wrong. If there is any way it can cause us harm, then we start to put on our worry caps. And we get flustered if everybody around us is not putting on their worry caps as well. Constant worriers spend an inordinate amount of time, I believe, watching the news or watching the weather channel. Their storm shelters are well stocked. Not many folks stopping by and knocking on their door because they don't want to hang out with people like that. They never give a moment's consideration to the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. My mother's mother, whom I love dearly, my grandmother, majored in worrying 
admired in fear. And I do believe that her patron saint was Chicken Little. <laughs> One other way that we squander our lives is by, by gossiping, by speaking ill of folks when we don't know the whole story. Sometimes when we really don't know them at all. Gossip embeds us with a false sense of security, makes us feel a little bit better than the people we're talking about, and it does nothing to help those who are the object of its scorn. Folks who gossip tend to overlook when they're reading their Bible. In the Old Testament, they sort of overlook the book of Proverbs. And in the New Testament, they sort of overlook the book of James. Numerous warnings about the dangers of gossips. Gossips are among the busiest folk on the planet. And maybe because they're so busy, they never have much time left over to really pursue the truth. A prime example of a squandered, wasted life in literature is, and you already know this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge. He lives on the pages of A Christmas Carol. Miserable he was, and he had an uncanny ability to make everyone around him miserable as well. Yes, you might be saying, but he was redeemed, he was changed, he was restored. And I agree. But how many years did he squander? How many years of his life were wasted? He was an accountant. And he could not count that high. How many years, how many moments had he missed? Now, some ways that we might live openly and expansively by giving thanks frequently, the surest antidote for complaining, for whining, for bitterness, the surest antidote is gratitude. It works every time. Do we spend more time and effort counting problems or counting blessings? Let me restate a previous stated assertion of mine, and I really believe this. Gratitude is the most powerful force on the planet. It has what it takes to change those who are its objects and to change us as well. Keeping it simple, which is what I'm best equipped to do, I think. Do we complain about the meal that is set before us? Or do we give thanks that hunger is a stranger at our house? Another way that we live expansively and openly is by trusting constantly. I'm guessing it'd be a rotten way to live if we never trusted anybody in any way at any time under any circumstances. Our small, narrow worlds would be shrinking. Loneliness would be our most constant companion. One of my mottos that I try to live by is trust folk until they give you a reason not to. I've been burned a few times along the way. I suppose most of you have too. But I still think it's a good way to live. And one other way that we live openly and expansively is by affirming and encouraging others consistently. When we look for the good in others, when we look for an opportunity to speak an encouraging word, especially to somebody who's been struggling and who's caught up in some difficult circumstances, our own lives begin to grow in unanticipated and wonderful ways. The good is not readily obvious in everyone we encounter. And too often we don't take time to get to know them. We quit searching too soon. When we can find something about another to affirm, when we can speak an encouraging word to someone who is struggling and do it without sounding hokey or false or fake or phony, then the scales begin to fall away. 
and the dirt begins to disappear and the hidden beauty of a life created by God begins to emerge, to open up and expansive becomes the appropriate adjective. A primary example of an open and expansive life, and I'll say just a word about this and then we'll, we'll sing some more in just a moment. But I'm thinking about a guy named Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis. He was born in Belfast, November 29, 1898. He lost his mother, Florida, to cancer before he was 10. As a teenager, he went off to school at Oxford. He was injured in France in World War I, and through all of that, he just lost his faith. And he lost his father, Albert, who died of cancer in 1929. But a few weeks later, he was converted. We forget sometimes that's at the heart of our faith that God can change a human life, can change a human heart. He was converted. And he said, I gave in, admitted that God was God, and knelt and prayed perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. He was a professor of literature at Oxford. He founded a group called the Inklings, a a like-minded, tightly-knit group of folks and writers. And in that group was another writer that you've possibly heard of, J.R.R. Tolkien. For three decades, they met regularly to talk about books and literature, and they read their writings aloud to one another to get feedback from each other. Tuesday mornings, 1937, Can you imagine these friends listening to J.R.R. Tolkien as he read that first rough draft of The Lord of the Rings? And before the Screwtape Letters was published, Lewis had read those letters to his group. As his renown grew, so the demands for his words in 1941, the beginning of the war, he gave a series of talks on the BBC, something about a basic defense of Christianity and explanation of the faith. And those words were printed and became the book Mere Christianity. And some of you may have read that. The Sunday school class we were in in the little church in Millersville last week was studying that book, Mere Christianity. Instead of sitting in an ivory tower and pondering his academic options and quandaries of the day, he tried to answer real questions that real people had about their faith. The problem of pain tried to tackle that sticky, thorny, difficult subject of why God permits suffering. The great divorce took an imaginative view of the existence of hell. And Lewis narrated his own hell in a book called A Grief Observed. A poignant gathering of his thoughts after the death of his wife, Joy Davidman Gresham. They were married for just four years before she died with cancer. And I I think about this sometimes. One of the things that he wrote in that book after she had died, he said, Dear, you could never imagine how much you took with you when you left us. It's a terrific book. And if you're going through a, a hard time, I commend it to you. Lewis breathed his life into novels as well. The Space Trilogy, some of you may have read those books between 1938 and 1945, they were published. Not just great science fiction, but the power of good to triumph over evil. And a lot of folks regard the Chronicles of Narnia as the greatest children's books ever written. I would disagree only to the extent that they're not just children's books. And I was a young adult when I read them the first time in the would commend them to you, whatever your age. 
He retained a childlike innocence and playfulness throughout his life and his work. He died a true saint of the 20th century, died on the same day as President John Kennedy, November 22nd, 1963. And all the lives he continues to touch. Don't squander one minute of this marvelous life. Live openly and expansively. Ebenezer Scrooge or C.S. Lewis, those are just two examples. You know, many, many, many others. What if we used ourselves as examples? What if we did a selfie at this point? To squander this marvelous life, to live openly and expansively. To be that honest with ourselves is sometimes difficult. And there might be times when we wish we had just not opened that letter. Amen.